Greetings. Hello. It's wonderful to be able to speak to you all during the Feast of Tabernacles. What a wonderful joy and, and blessing it is to be here at the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, one of God's seven annual holy days. And of course, we understand that it pictures the coming millennium, the reign of Jesus Christ on this earth. That's not a metaphor. That is a reality that we look forward to and we celebrate for seven days at the Feast of Tabernacles a precursor to a time when God's law will cover the earth, when there will be great, wonderful blessings, when Jesus Christ will rule as King of kings and Lord of lords, and when we, if we do our part, will rule under him. Brethren, through keeping the Feast of Tabernacles, and through keeping all of God's holy days, His Sabbaths, and through keeping all of God's law, we become established in our faith. We become rooted in the faith. As Peter states in 2 Peter 1, verse 12, and as Paul states in Romans 1, verses 8 through 11, we won't turn there for sake of time, we become established. We become rooted. We grow strong, deep roots in the faith. We become established in Christ. I'd like to build on that theme in the sermon today. Let's go back to the book of Psalms. If you would turn with me to the back to the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter one. Brethren, hopefully this applies to us. Here we are, whether men or women, whether old or young, children, grandparents, here we are rejoicing and delighting in God's law. We're at the Feast of Tabernacles, and we are so happy to be here. But we're very happy to also understand what it points toward. We're even more joyful, we're even more happy, because we understand what the Feast of Tabernacles points toward. Again, a time when Jesus Christ will reign, No more sorrow, no more war, uh, no more starvation, no more hunger, uh, when God's uh, law will cover the earth. We look forward to that time very much. Here in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, we have a psalm which is uh, one of our hymnals, uh, one of our hymns in our hymnal. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of the sinners nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Now, brethren, we are not today walking in the counsel of the ungodly. The counsel of the ungodly is that God's holy days are done away with. The counsel of the ungodly is that it's a burden and a yoke to keep God's Sabbath. The counsel of the ungodly is that there is no God. The counsel of the ungodly is that we should reject God and reject the Bible. But we are not walking in that counsel. Instead, we are delighting in the law of the Lord. We are delighting in His law. We're delighting in the Feast of Tabernacles, the whole, all of the holy days. Um, we meditate, to paraphrase, we meditate on God's law. Here at the Feast of Tabernacles, we're going to hear many wonderful sermons. Uh, hopefully, we all do our own extensive personal Bible study. Yes, we should uh, enjoy fellowship and, and, and recreation with our families. That is, that is good. We, we should do that. Uh, yes, we need to serve others at the feast, uh, invite people out for dinner, have people over to our, our house or our hotel and, and be hospitable and, and serve. Um, recreation and, and, and enjoying uh, the, the, the scenery, the countryside, nice meals, those are good things. God wants us to do those things at the feast. Uh, I won't turn back to it, but we know that scripture tells us that if we desire, uh, of course, in moderation, but, you know, a nice drink and, and a nice steak, we should have that at the feast. So those, those things are good. But brethren, at the feast especially, we should take extra time because we're not working. We're not going to our normal jobs. <clears throat> uh, hopefully we're not, frankly, wasting time watching uh, carnal television. We, we really should avoid uh, spending time with things of the world. 
hopefully we have more time to meditate on God's law at the Feast of Tabernacles. So verse 2, the righteous person, his delight is in the law of the Lord. In In his law he meditates day and night. That person shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That person will become a strong, established tree with deep roots. <clears throat> and those, re- those roots go down deeply into the soil and they feed on this, this healthy uh, water that comes from, from the river. And that, that, that water that comes from that river, that's God's law, God's way of life. And if we delight in God's law, we take extra time to meditate on his law day and night, then we become like these strong, sturdy, mighty trees that can withstand, frankly, a, a violent storm that, that, that are uh, you know, strong and, and provide shade uh, for the, you know, those, the animals. And we also will produce good fruit. Notice verse, verse 3, that we will bring forth fruit in, <clears throat> I'm paraphrasing, but bring forth fruit um, whose leaves shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. Whatever he does shall prosper. We see a promise there that if we keep God's law, love God's law, meditate on God's law, then what we put our hand to do, God will prosper that. I'd like to continue with that theme today uh, for the feast uh, sermon that I'm giving to you today. And I would like to uh, encourage us to, to be thinking about, as I go through the sermon, how meditating on God's law, living according to his law, observing the, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles and his holy days, and understanding what the Feast of Tabernacles pictures, because we are going to go through a number of, of scriptures and a number of points that paint a, a, a beautiful picture regarding what the Feast of Tabernacles represents, which is, again, Jesus Christ's millennial reign. I want to encourage us that as we go through the sermon, that we keep that concept, that metaphor of becoming strong trees, uh, trees of righteousness, that we can withstand storms, that we can uh, weather you know, the trials that come our way. I want us to keep that picture in our mind. Let's turn to another psalm, Psalm 104, verse 16. Psalm 104, verse 16. <clears throat> Just a brief passage, Psalm 104, Verse 16, I was over one page too far, sorry. Uh, The trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon which he planted, where the birds make their their nests. The trees of the Lord are full of sap, full of life, full of health. The trees of the Lord are are strong. So I, I want to encourage us to become... Uh, those strong trees, those trees of the Lord, trees of righteousness. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah 61. This is the prophecy that Jesus Christ quoted from in Luke chapter 4. He quoted the first half of this prophecy. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 61. And verse 1, <clears throat> remember Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 4, he, he quoted from the book of Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. And this was a prophecy referring to Christ uh, at his first coming. To preach good tidings to the poor. Now, we are the recipients of those good tidings, are we not? We have recorded in the Bible the good tidings, the, 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 the promises that Jesus Christ uh, gave regarding the fact that he would not leave us uh, orphaned, he would come again, that, that, that there would be um, uh, a, a kingdom, his kingdom established on the earth. So we are the recipients of those uh, good tidings as well. <clears throat> he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Verse 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Now remember, 
that Jesus Christ stopped part way through uh, this prophecy. And there's a couple more verses that that we'll go ahead and read now. Let's notice uh, in verse 2, we're continuing. To comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. This part of the prophecy is yet to be fulfilled. This part of the prophecy will be fulfilled at and after Christ's return during the the millennium. And that's what the Feast of Tabernacles uh, pictures, the millennium. So here we get into a prophecy about what will occur in the future. To give them beauty for ashes, uh, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. No more uh, heaviness of heart, no more deep sorrow because uh, we live in Satan's world or because... uh, we, we've gone through and, and the world has gone through the great, the coming great tribulation. But instead, Jesus Christ will bring healing and he'll give, you know, give us abundance or, or give those who are, are alive then abundance. Notice in verse 3 <clears throat> that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. There we see that theme again, trees of righteousness. Here, God has inspired Isaiah to record a prophecy about Christ's second coming and that he will uh, raise up uh, more trees of righteousness. Now, we hope to attain the first resurrection. We hopefully are becoming trees of righteousness today. Sturdy, strong, healthy trees that, that can withstand trials, that can produce good fruit. But we see here that Jesus Christ will continue to build, to plant, to grow trees of righteousness throughout the millennium. And we hopefully will be part of that process. We will hopefully be kings and priests, as it says in Revelation, under Christ, who will help bring more people to, uh, to the truth and to God and to our Lord Jesus Christ and that we will be developing more trees of righteousness. So I'd like to, uh, again, uh, continue with that theme. Now, we're going to go through some, uh, uh, some prophecies in the Old Testament in a moment. But before we do, I want to give you a few scriptures to, to meditate on, to consider. That will both be a reminder for us regarding the obligation we have, and will also be a reminder for us regarding the hope that we have. So first, the obligation. Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Probably a a scripture that many of you can quote. Deuteronomy 7, verse 9. Therefore know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. So first, the reminder, God is almighty. There is no other God but God. The God of Israel, the God of the Bible, the God that is you know, referred to generically as the Judeo-Christian God, uh, his who inspired these words, uh, he is God. He is God. There is no other God. There are angels. There's an angelic realm that that God created. Uh, Lucifer became Satan. Uh, He is an angel. He's very powerful, but he's not God. He's not even on God's plane. Uh, God is is infinitely more powerful than Satan the devil. And way far below Satan the devil, sorry, way way far below God, you have the the angels and you you have Satan as one of the archangels. And then, of course, way below them, you have uh, the human um, human world. So God is all-powerful. God is almighty. He is God. He is God. There, there's no other. He is faithful. He is faithful. He's a faithful God. But notice, He is faithful and keeps His covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. He is faithful. He is also merciful. And he will fulfill his promises to us. He fulfilled his promises to Abraham. He fulfilled promises that he gave 
frankly, in the Garden of Eden about uh, Jesus Christ coming as, as, as the Messiah. He's fulfilled promises that he made to and through King David. <clears throat> He's fulfilled promises that he has made to his church. God has already fulfilled hundreds of promises. But he will continue to fulfill his promises to those of us who love him, who keep his commandments. So a, a reminder, a warning, an admonition, as we keep the Feast of Tabernacles, brethren, it's not just a time to enjoy our families and to enjoy our, our company with each other. Those things are good. But it's, it's also a time to fear him, to love him, to study his law, to keep uh, his commandments. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, <clears throat> the hope that we look, that we have, the the promise that we look forward to, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. <clears throat> and verse 50. What is the gospel of the kingdom of God about? What does the Feast of Tabernacles point to? <clears throat> Here Paul is describing or explaining how the first fruits, how those who are resurrected or become resurrected can inherit eternal life in the kingdom of God. He says in verse 50, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Brethren, that's a truth that we understand that's pretty significant. There are millions and millions of professing Christians that believe that the kingdom of God is, is in our heart, or is on the earth today, or is the Catholic Church, or something like that. But that's not what Scripture says. What Scripture says is that flesh and blood, human beings, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Corruption cannot inherit incorruption. How do we attain the kingdom of God? Well, verse 51 and 52. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. We shall not all... Uh, sleep in the grave. We should not all be dead uh, forever, but those who are going to be re re resurrected as first fruits will be changed. Those who are alive at the end of the age uh, will not uh, die and stay dead. They will be changed. They will be, uh, they will be changed. So in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, <clears throat> for that trumpet will sound. So Paul's describing when that change takes place. It takes place at the last trump. The trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So for those of us who love God and keep his commandments, Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9, we can look forward to uh, the promise that Paul writes about here in 1 Corinthians 15, that we will not... Uh, die and stay dead in the grave, that those who have preceded us <clears throat> in the faith, uh, we can have confidence that they will be resurrected and that we will see them uh, at the first resurrection. And that is when the, the corruptible, the mortal, the, the, the carnal, the fleshly will put on immortality, will put on perfection. So brethren, we are, are, are hopefully becoming trees of righteousness today. And the goal is to become immortal God beings in the God family in the world tomorrow, during the millennium, in the millennium, which is what the Feast of Tabernacles pictures. The title of the sermon today, if you haven't <clears throat> already guessed, is simply Trees of Righteousness. Trees of Righteousness. And I would like to <clears throat> um, encourage us to, again, practice what, uh, what, I've, what I've said, which is that the more that we love God's law, the more we study God's law, the more we keep his law, the stronger we become. We become strong, healthy trees with deep roots. <clears throat> Let's turn to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi 3 and verse 13. It is important, brethren, it is very important for us to become those strong trees of righteousness because we know that we live in perilous days today, and we, and we know that uh, more perilous times are coming. 
Beyond that, we know that God is going to, in the future, at a future time, uh, make a decision and, and make a discernment between those who, frankly, are lawless and those who are lawful, between those who, frankly, step on and, and, and neglect and reject and, and scoff at God's law and those, versus those who love God's law, between those who don't keep the Feast of Tabernacles and those who keep the Feast of Tabernacles, between those who reject God's Sabbath and those who keep God's Sabbath. There will come a time when God will make a distinction. Now, he already has made a distinction for those of us who are in God's church. God knows who you are. He's pleased you're here. He knows every hair hair on your head. But he's going to do more than just make a distinction. He's going to make some decisions, some decisions. Let's read about that in Malachi chapter 3, verse 13. It's a very... um, encouraging uh, and and also sobering prophecy. Uh, Break into the thought. God is is talking through Malachi to his people, and he says, your words have been harsh against me, yet you say, so the people say, well, what have we spoken against you? And God replies in verse 14, you have said it is useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinances? and that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts. What profit is it some say? Now, I don't think we say that. I don't think that you, you say that. But there have been many down through the ages who have rejected God's law. Back in the days of ancient Israel, of course, the majority of Israel, generation after generation, uh, continued to reject God's law. Uh, that's why they went into captivity. Uh, modern Israel, the descendants of, of, of ancient Israel, of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, uh, the vast majority reject God's law. They don't even uh, know about God's law. Most of them, they, 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 they've rejected the Bible. They've rejected God's law. So there have been those who have rejected it and have said, what benefit is it to walk according to God's ordinances? Verse uh, 15, <clears throat> So now we call the proud blessed, and those who do wickedness are raised up. Think of the the people that are, you know, quote unquote, successful in uh, in the world. Uh, Those who uh, are wealthy, those who are, you know, the movie stars and the actors and the the uh, the the, the rich and those who are are over uh, large businesses and so forth. Now, you know, there are some people that humanly try to be good people, but so many people today in society um, have rejected God's law and are flaunting uh, even what we would call conservative Judeo-Christian type uh, principles. They're flaunting them. We have all kinds of divorce and, and homosexuality and, and abortions and drugs and all kinds of things that we see in society today, lying, uh, oppressing people, and just vulgarity. Uh, you know, just the amount of, of vulgarity that we see. <clears throat> Many of those people who live in an ungodly way appear, humanly speaking, to be to be raised up. Those who do wickedness are raised up. They even tempt God and go free. So many people from a, a carnal point of view are, are really rejecting God's law but seem to be having a good life. <clears throat> Notice verse 16. There is a time coming when God will not just make a distinction, but make a decision. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened to them and heard them. Now, he does listen to our conversations now. He hears our conversations now. But this is a a future time. So a book of of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. On the day that I make them my jewels, my special treasure, my, my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. There's a time coming, brethren, when God is going to recall how faithfully and loyally and how joyously you kept his law. How faithfully, how loyally, how joyfully I kept his law. And he's going to make a decision regarding 
who becomes his jewels? Who does he spare during the great tribulation and the day of the Lord? Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked. Not that then God will discern. God knows who's righteous and wicked. Then the people will discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve God. Because the day of the Lord is coming, burning like an oven. The day of the Lord is coming. Now, brethren, we don't keep the Feast of Tabernacles and and God's law only because we want to escape the Great Tribulation and the day of the Lord. We keep God's law because we love God. We love Jesus Christ, our King, our Savior, our Messiah. We know that His way works, His law works. There are blessings that we receive today. We keep His law because we look forward to that hope of the resurrection as Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 15. But brethren, there's also a promise here, and God keeps His covenant with those who love Him and who keep His commandments. And there is a promise here that God will differentiate and He will decide on who He will protect and who He will make an immortal God being, a jewel who will live forever in His kingdom. Are you... Becoming a strong tree of righteousness today that can weather the storms that are coming and that can become a jewel, an immortal jewel in God's family at the resurrection. At the Feast of Tabernacles, we, we strengthen our roots. We strengthen our roots. Dr. Meredith wrote in a very uplifting article titled, Your Incredible Future. This is from the Tomorrow's World magazine titled Your Incredible Future. He wrote, The ultimate reward for those who are willing to give their lives to God unreservedly is indeed awesome. So as Jesus' full brothers sharing with him the divine level of existence and interacting with him and with the Father throughout all eternity, we will be able to exercise Fully, all the hopes and dreams humanity has ever nurtured and dreams and opportunities even beyond what the human mind has ever or has yet imagined. Isn't that fantastic? That is our reward. That is our reward if we are faithful to God. Are we becoming those trees of righteousness deeply rooted today? So we can weather the storms that are coming and receive that reward in the world tomorrow, in tomorrow's world. Remember, again, a strong tree planted by a river has deep roots. The wind doesn't easily blow it down. And it produces good fruit as well. It produces good fruit, brethren. This afternoon, when you're fellowshipping, you'll produce good fruit. You'll have uplifting conversation. This evening with your family, you'll produce good fruit. You'll be a joy to be around with your, with your family and your friends. Your thoughts will be on God's law, on God's way of life. You'll be a tree producing good fruit. You'll be a light and an, and an example to the people who, are, who you encounter in the, uh, the cities where we're keeping the Feast of Tabernacles. When we go out to dinner, or we go out to play putt-putt golf, or we go to the beach, or we you know, go hike in a a state park, and we encounter um, people in the world, we'll be a light to them. We'll produce good fruit. I, earlier in the sermon, was quoting from Isaiah, and I would like to turn back to Isaiah now and go through a number of points that paint a picture regarding the millennium. And what I'd like to do is ask us to, with each point, feed our roots, feed our faith. Each of these points, and we will move fairly quickly, each of these points is not just some metaphor, it is a promise, brethren. It is a promise. It's a promise that God made through, in this instance, through Isaiah, It's a promise he has made to the church. It's a promise he has made to Israel. 
and it's a promise he has made in reality to the world. Because without the Feast of Tabernacles, the world has no hope, has no future. Without God's plan, there is no hope for mankind. But the Feast of Tabernacles pictures a time when there will be awesome hope and awesome abundance. It will be a wonderful time. So, as a brief uh, background to Isaiah, he was an 8th century prophet, 8th century B.C. He lived during the reigns of the uh, Judean kings Uzziah and um, Ahaz and Hezekiah. Uh, Isaiah was the son of Amoz, A-M-O-Z. And he was a scholar. He was actually employed by many of the Judean kings, and he was a very sharp, smart uh, scholar. He was also a prophet of God. And he, God, through Isaiah, uh, gave us many promises about the millennium. Let's move quickly through these. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2. And just as a side comment, uh, I've studied, I'm sure many of you have as well, I've studied Isaiah many times, and I'll do different lists of promises, and there are a lot of promises about the millennium in Isaiah. We're going to go through just a few. Number one, Christ will reign from Jerusalem, and God's law will fill the entire earth. Christ will reign from Jerusalem, and God's law will fill the entire earth. Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 2. Isaiah 2, verse 2. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house, that refers to the government of God, shall be established on top of the mountains. That means that his government will be established on top of all the human governments and and, and on top of any other government, even uh, angelic government. God's uh, house, God's mountain will be over all other governments. Uh, Frankly, at this time, we won't have demonic uh, rulership over the kingdoms of men anymore, which we have today. Uh, we, we know that today there are evil spirits, there are evil principalities that, that influence, and, and often God, God allows it, but they guide uh, events and uh, stir up all kinds of evil. So that will no longer be the case. The mountain of the Lord's house will be established on top of all the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, <clears throat> and all nations shall flow to it, Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And brethren, a future generation of trees are going to be planted. A future generation of trees of righteousness, of people, are going to be planted and are going to put down roots and are going to grow in God's law. And hopefully, if we do our job today, we can be part of that team under Christ, under David, under the apostles, who is feeding those trees, those future trees. And we can talk to them about the, the, the wonder of God's law. And we can explain to them how things were very bad, frankly, under Satan's Uh, rule. So we'll be growing another harvest of trees of righteousness, won't we? There's only one first resurrection, brethren, and we we strive for that. But there will be a greater, greater harvest later, won't there? Point number two, the righteous will no longer be oppressed. No more false religion, no more corrupt uh, government. The righteous will no longer be oppressed. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 3. Isaiah 14, verse 3. <clears throat> Another um, promise. It shall come to pass in the day that the Lord gives you rest from your sorrow. So this is referring to Israel coming out of captivity Uh, the the captivity that they will be in during the Great Tribulation. So there will come a time when God will bring Israel out of that captivity. So they'll come out of that sorrow uh, from the fear and hard bondage in which you were made to serve, that you will take up this proverb against the king of Babylon. This is referring to the future king of Babylon, uh, uh, frankly, the king of the north, the beast, 
how the oppressor, so this will be said about him, how the oppressor has ceased. The golden city has ceased. The Lord has broken the staff of the wicked, the scepter of the rulers. He who struck the people in wrath with a continual stroke, he who ruled the nations in anger, is persecuted and no one hinders. So the king of Babylon, that future king of Babylon, he will be uh, removed. He will be removed. No more oppression of the righteous. Point number three, or promise number three. There will then be physical healing. Physical healing. Brethren, this is a sobering point. When you look at how many people are afflicted with AIDS, with cancer, with heart disease, with tuberculosis, with malaria, with all kinds of diseases, and those disease epidemics um, are starting to intensify around the world. Uh, When you see the suffering that children endure, when you see the suffering that people go through, and we know it's going to get worse as God allows the nations to, to go farther away from Him and as He curses the nations, physical healing is going to be desperately desired, desperately sought after. And so here in Isaiah 29, verse 18, another promise. In that day the deaf shall hear the words of the book and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. The humble shall also uh, increase their joy in the Lord and the poor among them shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. There are other promises that Isaiah, uh, other, other places where he makes this promise, but the deaf and the blind and the lame and the maimed and the diseased will be healed. How awesome will it be? How awesome will it be? if you and I make it into God's kingdom as first fruits, if we can go to these people that God, that Christ brings out of bondage, and if we can in wisdom and in love, if we can heal them, and if we can use that experience to help point them to God, how awesome will that be when we can bring healing to the nations? Point number three, physical healing of the nations. Point number four, the Holy Spirit will be made freely available. Let's turn over to Isaiah chapter 32. Isaiah 32, verse 15. How awesome this will be. The Spirit will be poured upon us, breaking into a a prophecy, into a thought. The Spirit of God, Isaiah 32, verse 15, will be poured out upon the people. The wilderness will become fruitful. The, the fruitful field will become fruitful field will become a forest. But the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, will be poured out freely available. Again, uh, God promises promises this elsewhere in Isaiah as well. Brethren, are your roots getting a little stronger? Are you feeling a little more positive? Are you feeling a little more encouraged? I, I hope you are a little bit. Brethren, think about these promises and remember that God is faithful and He will fulfill these promises. He will fulfill fulfill these promises. So we look forward to that time. We look forward to a time when point number five will be fulfilled. Promise number five. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 35, verse 1. The deserts and the wilderness will bloom. And we already sort of saw reference to that. But Isaiah 35, verse 1, the uh, wilderness and the deserts will bloom. I won't read all of it just for sake of time, but you see that promise here. That is powerful. When there will be abundance, when there will be prosperity, uh, physical abundance and uh, abundant agriculture, abundant food. Point number six, or promise number six. During the Great Tribulation, God will fulfill His promise to protect those who love and keep His law. God will protect those who love and keep His law. Isaiah 33, back a couple um, 
a couple pages and verse 14. Isaiah 33, verse 14. I'll just skim this uh, passage, but Isaiah 33, verse 14 contains a promise that we we reference occasionally when we're referring to uh, the place of safety, which is a a real place of protection that that God does promise to His church at the end of the age. And this is not the reason we keep God's law, but it is a promise God makes. And if you uh, doubt that, if you need to study that, just go to our website, go to tomorrowsworld.org or lcg.org, and just search for place of safety, and you'll see some articles and some sermons regarding that. So that's not the main point here of of the sermon, but it is a promise we, uh, we, we want to claim. Isaiah chapter 33, verse 14. The sinners of Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has seized the hypocrites, those who have mocked God's law, those who have been sinful. And they, and they ask, or it is asked, who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? There's a dual uh, prophecy, a dual promise uh, that's being discussed here. I don't have time to give a long explanation, but what's being discussed here are two things. One is who will survive the everlasting fire? Who will su- survive the lake of fire? That's being asked and answered in this passage. The answer is those who are, who are, who are immortal, those who are changed. Um, the other question that's being asked and, ans- and, and, and being answered is who will survive the day of the Lord? The answer to those questions is the same answer. The answer is those who walk righteously, speak uprightly, despise oppression, uh, refuse bribes, stop their ears from hearing bloodshed, shut their eyes from seeing evil. Those people who live righteously, who um, don't oppress, who who don't take a bribe, who don't lie, cheat, and steal, those who do not just consume violent movies, violent media, violent books, violent television, those who uh, live a righteous and right life, those who shut their eyes from evil, they will also be provided protection during the tribulation and the day of the Lord. Their bread will be given to them, their water will be sure. If you're a resurrected immortal God being, you don't need bread and water. This, this is a dual promise, and, it, and it's a promise of protection at, in a place of safety for those who are alive and faithful during the end of the age, and also it's a promise uh, for those who will live, or be, I'm sorry, who will be changed into God beings and live forever in the family of God. Galatians chapter 5, Galatians 5, I do want to spend a few more moments on this point. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 5. The Feast of Tabernacles pictures a time when God's law will cover the earth and we should be keeping the Feast of Tabernacles in a right way and we should also, of course, throughout our lives be practicing uh, these, uh, these, these points, these, uh, God, this godly way of, uh, of, of living. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. <clears throat> Galatians 5.19, the works of the flesh are evident. And here Paul lists a number of these works of the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, which can refer to um, coarse jesting, vulgarity. Also it can refer to uh, uh, sexual uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, uh, out, uh, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions. There's a long list. Uh, envy, drunk, murderers, drunkenness. We cannot be practicing these things and we cannot be entertaining ourselves with these things. Brethren, I really do uh, ask uh, uh, all of us to take this seriously. Satan is the god of media. And at the Feast of Tabernacles, let's please not be filling our minds with, with garbage from Satan. And during the course of the year, let's also please not be filling our minds with garbage from Satan. God hates uh, sorcery. He hates uh, murder and witchcraft. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 22. So let's be very careful when we um, think about going and seeing the latest Hollywood movie. And I could list a bunch of movies. I won't. I could list a bunch of books that I've seen 
our church youth carrying around, and they should not be carrying them around. You know, these are not just cute kid stories. Um, if it's witchcraft, if it's sorcery, if it's violence, if it's demons, if it's uh, vampires, if it's conjuring up spells, if it's, again, violence, if it's sexual, if it's light pornography, uh, this is not fitting for God's, God's flock. God hates those things. He does not want us to consume those things. Revelation 21, verse 8. Revelation 21, verse 8. So there's a promise of all things being made new. And God says here through the Apostle John, Jesus Christ gave this revelation to the Apostle John. Uh, revelation 21, verse 7. He, sh- he who overcomes shall inherit all things. Notice verse 8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, uh, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, they will be cast into the lake of fire. Let's not be practicing or watching these things. Point number seven. Point number seven. Let's strengthen our roots, our faith. Point number seven. Let's turn back to Isaiah chapter 35. Isaiah 35. And notice in verse 8, and this is promise number 7, Isaiah 35, verse 8, there will be a great highway called the way of holiness that will go up to Jerusalem, Isaiah 35, verse 8. And I'd like to draw your attention to a, a promise here that those who are righteous uh, shall, shall, shall traverse that highway. So in the millennium, there will be a highway for the righteous to go up to Jerusalem. Promise number seven. Promise number eight. Christ, the King of Kings, the great, good, compassionate uh, chief shepherd will be um, in place. He will rule. So promise number eight is that Christ will be our chief shepherd. Christ will be our king. Christ will rule. And we find that in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 10 and 11. I won't turn there for sake of time. Promise number nine. Because of Christ's rule, righteous worship will expand throughout the earth. I would like to turn there. Isaiah 41, verse 19. Isaiah 41, verse 19. Righteous worship will uh, expand throughout the earth. Isaiah 41, verse 19. I will plant in the wilderness uh, the cedar and the acacia tree, the myrtle and the oil tree. I will set in the desert the cypress tree and the pine and the box tree together that they may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this and the Holy One of Israel has created it. People throughout the world will see that God is blessing the earth and righteousness will expand throughout the, throughout the earth. Promise number 10. Promise number 10. This is not exactly in sequence, but promise number 10. Israel will be regathered. Israel will be regathered. Brethren, we see that promise recorded in Jeremiah in various places. In Isaiah chapter 43, verses 5 through 7 we see a promise of Israel being regathered out of the great tribulation, brought back to their land, brought back to safety in their land, settled in their land, no longer oppressed. Isaiah 43, uh, verses 5 through 7. God will regather Israel. There are many more promises I could give. I'm going to skip a few just for sake of time, but I want to give just a few more. The next promise, God will make a marriage covenant with Israel. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 54, Isaiah 54 and verse 4, Isaiah 54 verse 4. God will make a marriage covenant with Israel. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For I will forget the shame of your youth, and I will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. 
For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. There is coming a time when God will forgive and forget and bring his, his bride Israel back and marry her. This is a, a, a wonderful hope that uh, the spiritual, spiritual Israel has, that the church has, but also that physical Israel has. And they don't even understand it right now. But God will regather her, God will forgive her, and God will marry her. Let's continue, verse 6. For the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken and, a, and grieved in spirit, like a youthful wife when you were refused, says your God. For a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercies I will gather you. Israel is going to be forsaken because Israel reject, has rejected God. Israel is going to be punished. But God is merciful. Uh, verse 8, With a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you, says the Lord your Redeemer. God will marry Israel. Next promise. God will be king. I'm sorry. David will be king under Christ. David will be king under Christ. You can jot down in your notes Isaiah 55, verses 3 through 4. David will be king under Christ. David will be resurrected, and he will rule over Israel. Won't that be wonderful to be able to, to meet King David and get to know King David and learn from King David? Next promise. All the nations, all the nations will see God's glory in the kingdom. The Feast of Tabernacles pictures the millennium. But today, brethren, the vast majority of the world, the vast majority of the people that you are um, you know, associating with or that you are at least interacting with at the Feast of Tabernacles today in society, uh, they, don't, they don't understand what the Feast of Tabernacles pictures. They, 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 they may not even be aware that you're keeping the Feast of Tabernacles. Those people that we're interacting with in society, even at the locations where God has placed his name. But there's coming a time when all the nations will see and appreciate God's glory. Isaiah chapter 60, uh, verse 1. Isaiah 60, verse 1. I find this very uplifting. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. There's coming a time when Zion will be a bright city. There's coming a time when God's law will flow out from Jerusalem throughout the earth, and when we will be God beings, we'll be servants um, under Christ, but we will be God beings. And we will reign and rule with Christ for a thousand years. And the law and righteousness and holiness will go out from Zion. And all the nations will see God's glory. All of this will be for God's glory. <clears throat> ultimately, of course, my second to last promise. Ultimately, <clears throat> we know at the end of the millennium, we have the great white throne judgment, and then we have the rest of, of eternity. Ultimately, mortality and death will be swallowed up. Mortality and death will be swallowed up. We don't only look forward to the thousand-year reign of Christ. We look forward to the, the rest of eternity. Isaiah chapter six, uh, 60. I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 25. Isaiah chapter 25. Verse 8, going back a few, few pages, Isaiah 25, verse 8, <clears throat> speaking of the time um, after the great white throne judgment, he will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. Uh, the rebuke of his people he will take away from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. There's a time when death will be swallowed up. And final promise from Isaiah, final promise from Isaiah 
hopefully to, again, help us to grow deeper roots, to become stronger trees. Uh, when we see these, <clears throat> these promises in Scripture that we, we know God will fulfill, final promise, the government of God will increase forever. The government of God will increase forever. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, that famous uh, prophecy. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, referring to Christ. He is all of those things. He is Wonderful. He's Counselor. He's Everlasting Father. He and God are one. He and God are one. God the Father and Jesus Christ. The Word that became flesh. Who is our coming King of Kings. And His government will increase forever. His peace will increase forever. Verse 7. There will be no end to it. Upon the throne of David and over His kingdoms. To order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Brethren, at the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, we should pray even more fervently, Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. We want Christ to establish His kingdom on the earth. When all of these, these blessings, these promises, they're, they're going to be fulfilled. And there are dozens more that we don't have time to cover. These blessings will be fulfilled in the millennium. But these blessings will continue Throughout the rest of time, we know that there will be a new heavens and a new earth, that mortality will be swallowed up, but God's government will continue. God's law and righteousness and joy and peace, that will continue. That will continue. Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. Daniel 12, verse 3. You know, you, you, you probably don't even need to turn to it. Daniel 12, verse 3 tells us that those who are wise, brethren, let's be wise. Those who are wise will shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteous like the stars forever. I didn't find it in time. I just quoted it from memory, so hopefully I got it right. But brethren, let's be wise. Let's be wise in understanding that, that God's law works, that God is real, that God's Bible is His inspired word. That the Feast of Tabernacles is not something just for the ancient Jews. It's for the whole world. It pictures a time when the whole world will be blessed. Those who are wise, those who are humble before God, those who love His law, God will keep His covenant and His mercy with them, as it says in Deuteronomy and various, various places. Let's be wise and let's then be those who will shine forever like the stars, forever and ever. It is our Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. It is our Father's desire to give us eternal life, as it says in Luke 12, 32. It's His desire that we make it. It's His desire and His joy that we keep the Feast of Tabernacles today. But brethren, He wants us in the kingdom. He wants us to be those stars that will shine forever. Mr. Ames wrote, a wonderful article uh, that was titled Your Glorious Destiny. And this, uh, this appeared in the uh, July-August 2013 Tomorrow's World. And in that article, he writes the following. One of the most amazing and encouraging truths from your Bible is that God is producing a family. God is the Father from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named as it says in Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 15. God wants each human being to voluntarily choose to become his son or his daughter. God wants us to come out of the carnal, sinful ways of the world. Brethren, to repeat what Mr. Ames said, that is one of the most amazing, encouraging truths in the Bible, that God is producing a family. Let's be a family at the Feast of Tabernacles this year. Let's be a family throughout the year with our spiritual brothers and sisters. Let's understand that God is producing a family. Let's be strong. 
Let's grow in faith. Let's become established. Let's become rooted. Again, to paraphrase what Peter and Paul said, let's become established with deeply rooted roots that go down uh, and, and, and uh, are nourished by the water, which is God's law. Let's become those trees of righteousness. The reward is, is unimaginable. The reward is worth it. James chapter 2. God will fulfill His covenant, His word. Brethren, Christ will return. God will discern and differentiate and make a decision between who is righteous and who is not. God will protect those during the Great Tribulation that are righteous, those who are Philadelphian and those that are righteous. God will change into spirit beings, into God beings, those who are righteous. God will keep that promise. Will we be worthy of receiving that reward? God will keep that promise. But it's up to us. It's up to us to qualify. Now, we understand that we don't earn salvation. We don't earn salvation. Our sins are covered by the blood of Christ. And we must repent of sin. We must overcome sin. We must put sin behind us. We must learn to shun evil. We must learn to walk in God's law. We don't earn eternal life. But brethren, Scripture is also very clear that God will discern between who is worthy and who is not. Who has the heart and who doesn't? Who's a tree of righteousness and who's a you know, thorny shrub? James chapter 2, verse 5. James 2, verse 5. Listen, my beloved brethren. Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? And how do we show our love to God? By keeping his law, by loving his law, by meditating on this book, by studying God's word, by living according to to God's law, by keeping the Feast of Tabernacles, by keeping the Sabbath holy. God will keep His covenant to those who love Him. Is it worth it? It absolutely is. Revelation chapter 5, verse 10, which I know that you, you know. Revelation 5, 10. God is going to make us kings and priests. Kings and priests. And we will rule for a thousand years on the earth. That's the millennium. But then we will live and reign and rule under Christ for the rest of eternity. There's no end to his government. There's no end to the joy and to the blessings that we can participate in, that we can uh, be, be part of for the rest of eternity. Brethren, we spent a lot of time in Isaiah. And I mentioned that in, of course, Luke chapter 4, Jesus Christ, he, 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 he read from Isaiah and he stopped halfway through that prophecy because the rest of it was not yet to be fulfilled. Let's turn back to the book of Isaiah and let's conclude the sermon with Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 2 because this is the promise that uh, we seek. This is what the Feast of Tabernacles points to. This is our hope. And hopefully, brethren, we can end on this positive, uh, hopeful promise that will strengthen us just a little more as we go through the feast this year and we enjoy all these messages that we're going to hear and we, 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 we grow those deeper roots and we become those stronger trees. Isaiah 61 and verse 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all of those who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. I want us to be part of this. I want us to be part of this with Christ, under Christ, 
to bring healing, to bring God's law to the earth, to give people beauty and take away the ashes, to give people health and take away the sickness, to give people hope and take away the fear. I want us to be there, to be part of that, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Brethren, let's be trees of righteousness today so that we can be part of nurturing and growing and developing those trees of righteousness that are promised to come later in the kingdom of God. What a blessing. What a privilege.